Good morning, Bay Area Church. It is Sunday again, and uh, today is the 16th. It's a beautiful day outside. We're going to be getting together to, to worship this morning. Before we dive into that, we've got some announcements to talk about this morning, and so we want to start off with our prayer list. Um, just a week ago, I was here saying that our brother David Harkins was getting better and, and recovering and on his way to visit some family shortly. Uh, sad to report that David Harkins had a stroke this week and is still in the hospital. Uh, so we need to move him back to the top of our prayer lists and keep him in our thoughts and prayers. Uh, Zoe Lambrecht's brother, Tom, who lives in Portland, Oregon, was taken to the hospital last week uh, and had emergency surgery. And the doctors were concerned about a, a, a tumor that he had. So please be praying that it was not cancerous and that Tom will heal quickly from that uh, surgery, that removal. Uh, and we also need to, to keep his family in mind as well in our prayer list. Uh, Debbie Shirouse had an accident last week and is recovering from that. I'm sure that she would uh, appreciate some outreach and some calls and cards of encouragement if you've got the time this week to drop her a note or a line uh, as she's recovering from her accident as well. We have a, uh, we have a case of a special need for prayer, um, particularly with the Larson and Humphrey families. Um, our heartfelt prayers go out to their families. Last week, Zane and Karen Larson, uh, some brothers and sisters that many of us know, Aloha's brother and members of the Bell Shoals Church of Christ, unexpectedly lost their oldest son, Luke, to an unknown medical condition. Uh, it was very sudden and unexpected. Uh, he went to heaven on Wednesday. He was only 27 years old, and the family is grieving, obviously, uh, and covet your prayers uh, for, for that family, for the parents, for Luke's brother, Jared, for Aloha and Phil and all their family during this time as they go through this very difficult phase of, and trying to, to put together what exactly has happened there and, and um, the health concerns that are involved. So please be keeping that family in prayer as well. Um, we have several reminders this week. Don't forget uh, by any means that uh, our Bay Area family is continuing to grow. Um, we've got two families that are going to be having babies any day now. Uh, we've talked about uh, Richard and Lee Ann Payne uh, and Caleb and Prisca Crawl. They're both going to be having boys and they're both registered on Amazon. If you haven't sent them a gift yet, there's no time like the present. So keep those families in mind as they're continuing to grow and as our body's continuing to grow. The youth group uh, has a Bible class today at noon, just after worship, as they do every week. So uh, as soon as we're done here, grab some lunch, uh, then get ready to jump on Zoom with Robbie, and uh, they'll continue their worship and their, uh, their period together starting at noon. Uh, Faith Lane Zoom pajama party was uh, this Thursday night. Uh, we had one this past Thursday night with a glow theme. The wacky pajama party is coming up this Thursday night. So uh, all the Faith Lane kids will want to be sure that they jump on that as well. Um, that's going to be a great time for all of us. You've got some stuff in your, uh, in your activity box that will coincide with that. But we'll look forward to seeing you on Zoom for, for the wacky pajama Zoom party night. So we'll keep that in mind. And, and some good news, um, yesterday the youth group put together, uh, with Robbie's help and tremendous amount of work, put together a school supply drive to benefit Shaw's and Mango Elementary. We collected a lot of supplies uh, and we'll be shopping this week with some donated funds for some additional supplies for kids who are going back to school. Um, and a lot of those were obviously cleaning supplies in this day and age, but um, we were able to collect a, a tremendous amount of supplies to help these kids as they're getting ready to go back to school. We gave to the community and we were able to come together for the first time in a long time. And it really was great 
to be able to see so many of you out in the parking lot, socially distanced. It's, uh, it's really amazing what a little hand sanitizer and distance will do for your sanity. Uh, but so great to be able to see the families that came, uh, the families that were able to bring some supplies to donate to the schools, a, a great cause, and uh, just so wonderful to see so many of you and, and be able to talk and catch up a little bit. And so thanks to everyone who came out for that. Um, we had uh, a lot of people, I think, looked at the weather and were a little reluctant, but the weather ended up being really great here. It was overcast and breezy. Uh, we had a couple families that uh, decided that uh, they would drop off instead of uh, get out and, and do the social mingling, and, and a couple families who even showed up late, but we won't name any names there, although it rhymes with Sneed. Um, <laughs> it was a great time and uh, just really a great opportunity to get together. If you've been missing opportunities to get together, whether it's in person or whether it's uh, via Zoom, please take an opportunity to go to the church website and find a small group to get involved with. Uh, it, it really It'll really do a lot of good for you in a lot of ways in your spiritual walk and just in your everyday life to be able to share and to talk with each other during this time. Um, that's something that you ought to be taking advantage of if you're not. Another good news, I uh, want to just point out, Yenis came by the office this week just very grateful and just wanting us to know how important the work that we've been helping along in Venezuela has been going to help their efforts down there. Uh, this has been tough times for all of us across the globe. But uh, the extra support that we've been able to give to our ministry down there is really going a long way. And I think it's important for all of us to understand because intellectually we all know that we're helping out. But we're actually feeding families that would otherwise very likely be starving during this time. And I say that not so we can all pat ourselves on the backs, but because that's exactly what we're supposed to be doing. And it's exactly what God would, would want us to be doing. And so it's a wonderful opportunity that we've had to really make the, uh, a change for the better and, and a lot of lives down there. And it's not going unnoticed. The, the church is growing, and that's a wonderful thing as well. So keep that ministry in your prayers as well. Um, if you are here locally and in need of some, uh, of some assistance, some a hand up, uh, we have the pantry ministry that's here on Sunday afternoons. Please be uh, taking advantage of that if you need to as well. And we also just want to be very mindful and prayerful that uh, we're getting to the point in the year where uh, during all this chaos and calamity, our kids are going to be going back to school. And so we want to, uh, we want to be praying that, uh, that they'll be safe, that they'll be healthy, and that uh, mentally they'll be prepared to, to kind of get back out into the world as, as that happens to the degree that they have to for their school. So um, we want to keep that in mind as well. Uh, and for the Faith Lane kids, in your activity boxes, you should have gotten a bingo card this morning. Uh, it, is, it is including a bunch of phrases that Tim, Mr. Tim may or may not include in the sermon today, so you need to pay special attention to, uh, to Mr. Tim's sermon today. Um, if you're playing along at home and you get a bingo, be sure to, to leave it in the comments, because um, it's going to be a lot of fun. You guys want to follow along on that. Make sure you're paying attention to Mr. Tim and, uh, and playing along with the bingo cards. Um, with that said, we are going to uh, have a quick prayer here. We're going to shift gears a little bit. Um, we're going to lead ourselves in prayer, and then we're going to have a short video looking at uh, some of the Faith Lane kids, what they've been able to do with the activity boxes they've had this summer. After that video, our song service will begin. We're going to take communion this morning. We're going to hear a great sermon. We're going to spend some time lifting up our Father in worship, and we're glad that you're here to join us for it. So without further ado, let's go ahead and bow our heads in prayer and begin our service this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for being a God who loves us, for being a God who 
during all of the calamity and chaos is just and is in control and is just wonderful beyond all measure. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity, even though we may be separated by distance, to come together as your body and worship you this morning. And we thank you for being a God who can be worshiped in spirit and truth so that we can do this and come before your throne no matter where we are in the world. Lord, we thank you for all the work that you have given for us to do in in your kingdom. We pray that you will help us to take advantage of all the opportunities we have to share your word with others. Lord, we pray that you will be with this body, with those who are hurting and those who are sick. Lord, we also pray that you'll be with our children as they get ready to go back to school, Lord, and and with all the stress that comes along with that. Lord, we thank you for giving us your love. We thank you for the opportunity of being able to be called your children. And we thank you for this time this morning where we can lift you up and give you the adoration, the praise that you deserve. It is in your son's holy name we pray. Amen. And with that, we're going to roll a video.
Good morning. Okay, put your coffee cup down. You can't sing with coffee in your mouth. If you're sitting in your lazy boy, put your feet down. You can't breathe. I can't see what you're doing, but I, I hope that you will join in as we begin worship now, that you'll sing along with us, not just listen to us. Uh, and we have a great period of worship as we uh, commune together um, from a distance. Glory Land Way. I'm in the way, the bright and shining way. I'm in the glory land, glory land way. Telling the world that Jesus saves today. Yes, I'm in the glory land, glory land way. I'm in the glory land, glory land way. I'm in the glory land, glory land way. Heaven is nearer and the way groweth clearer for. I'm in the glory land, glory land way. Listen to the call, the gospel call today. Get in the glory land, glory land way. Wanderers come home, oh, hasten to obey. For I'm in the glory land, glory land way. I'm in the glory land, glory land way. I'm in the glory land. Lord, the people praise you. Lord, the people praise you. Lift you up and raise you. Lift you up and raise you. Lord, you are the Holy One. You are the Holy oh, One. You're the One. You're the only One. You're the One. You're the only One. And Lord, the people love you. Lord, the people love you. And place the body above you. Well, you are the Holy One. You are the Holy One. Oh, you're the one, you're the only one. You're the one, you're the only one. 
thy here and now. We will praise you thy here and now. Bless the hills and rocks cry out. Bless the hills and rocks cry out. You are the Holy One. You are the Holy One.
share together in communion after this next song. Craig Johnson's going to come and he's going to share some thoughts with us. Uh, before he comes, he's going to sing in need. In need of grace In need of love In need of mercy Good morning, Bay Area. It's a good time to be a Christian. If you fall asleep during the sermon, you can rewind it. 
As I stand before you today, I stand for Jesus. There's no more, there, there's no stance that you could take that's more important than standing for Jesus. Have you ever wondered, though, where you might have stood on the day Jesus was crucified? I have. And long before I began preparing what I might say here today. Maybe I would have been standing by John and Mary, right in front of Jesus, in plain sight of everyone else. Maybe I would have been hiding like the other apostles. Not a bad idea, considering Jesus had told Peter, put down your sword. Maybe I would have been standing with the angry crowd of accusers who wanted nothing more than to be rid of Jesus completely. They were certain they were doing the right thing. Besides, the punishment that day for saying you're God, death. They were simply demanding justice. Problem is, Jesus is God. He's the Son of God. He rose from the dead and proved it. And so, Jesus willingly suffered the most terrible injustice in human history. If ever there was a man who could have saved himself from the injustice carried out that day, it was Jesus. If ever there was a man who could have saved his people from oppression by the Romans, it was Jesus. But he didn't do that. His focus is on things above, not of this world. I don't know where I would have stood that day. If God chooses to close your eyes in order to fulfill His righteous will, there's nothing you can do about it. Trust me. We stand for Jesus. We follow Him, striving to follow all of His commandments, even the difficult ones, like love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. There's your answers. Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Our world is changing, and we must change with it. We must be resourceful and come up with ways to pull closer to an unchanging God. We need to love all of our brothers and sisters in Christ in spite of any differences in the way that Jesus commanded us to love one another as if we would die for each other. Anything else is unacceptable to the Lord. Faking it won't make it. Let's remember Jesus now. 
and the love that he showed us when he reached out his hands from east to west as if to say, this is how much I love you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, he who was and is and always will be, as we approach the throne of grace, we're mindful that we can never thank you enough for the sacrifice that was made for us so that we might have hope of salvation when this life is over. Thank you for this bread and this cup, which represents his broken body and his shed blood, the blood of his new covenant. Bless this bread and this cup, and bless all who are partaking of it, and may we do so in a manner which is pleasing in your sight until he comes again. In Jesus' most holy name we pray, amen. On a few different occasions, Jesus spoke of paying taxes. I'd like to read an account, one of these instances. Matthew 17, starting in 20, 24. After Jesus and his disciples arrived in Capernaum, the collectors of the two drachma temple tax came to Peter and asked, Doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax? Yes, he does. He replied, when Peter came into the house, Jesus was the first to speak. What do you think, Simon? He asked. From whom do the kings of the earth collect duty and taxes? From their own children or from others? From others, Peter answered. Then the children are exempt, Jesus said to him. But so that we may not cause offense... Go to the lake and throw out your line. Take the first fish you catch, open its mouth, and you will find a four drachma coin. Take it and give it to them for my tax and yours. There are so many lessons in this right here. Jesus could have handled this in any number of ways. He could have miraculously pulled the coins out of his pocket he could have made them appear in his hand. He could have pulled them from his ear, whatever he wanted to do. But he sent him on a journey, and Peter had plenty of time to think about all of this. And his answer was the same as another instance. Render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, and render unto God what is God's. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Thank you for this life, and thank you for our brothers and sisters in Christ, this family. Thank you for all that you are and all that you do for us. Thank you, God, for 
every opportunity we have to give to others, to give to the church, and to help spread the gospel throughout the world. Thank you for all you do. In Jesus' most holy name we pray. Amen. sing a few more songs before uh, Tim comes and speaks to us. I'm going to get the kids up here in a, in a little bit and uh, let them lead you uh, there at the house in a couple of songs. Uh, before that, though, start with Creating Me a Clean Heart. Creating me a clean heart. kids up now we're going to sing about that archie archie song the lord told noah to build him an archie archie lord told noah to build him an archie archie make it out of gopher barky barky children of the lord 
So rise and shine and give God the glory, glory. Rise and shine and give God the glory, glory. Rise and shine and give God the glory, glory, children of the Lord. The animals, the animals that came in by twosies, twosies, animals, the animals that came in by twosies, twosies, lions, tigers. Kangaroosies, woosies, children of the Lord. So rise and shine and give God the glory, glory. Rise and shine and give God the glory, glory. Rise and shine and give God the glory, glory, children of the Lord. It rained and poured for forty daisies, daisies rained and poured for forty daisies, daisies almost drove those animals crazy, crazy children of the Lord. So rise and shine and give God the glory, glory, rise and shine and give God the glory, glory, rise and shine and Give God the glory, glory, children of the Lord. This next song is um, uh, not one of our usual kid songs, and uh, it really isn't a kid song, but it has, uh, has kind of a history uh, with some of us, with our family particularly. Uh, we sang this song to our kids every night when they were babies. And our daughter is now doing that with our grandchildren. Beautiful song about God knows us and he cares for us. Can you count the stars of evening that are shining in the sky? Can you count the clouds that daily over all the world go by? God the Lord who doth not slumber keepeth all the boundless number, but he careth more for thee, but he Care to 
Tim's going to come and speak to us after this next song, and Orlando's going to lead us in, give us clean hands. We bow our hearts, we bend our knees, oh Spirit come make us humble, we turn our eyes from evil things, oh Lord we cast down our idols, give us
glad that you are with us this morning. Welcome to all. I want to say welcome. Actually, our last sermon in this current series. Weeks has been sharing some conversations, interact. This bright light of truth. Make it scratch. How's that? Better? No. Never mind. Tell me what to do again, Matt. Closer, better, better, good. And in conclusion, I'd just like to say thank you for being with us today. No, I'm just getting started, really. Um, have we sung yet? We've sang, right? We're, we're, okay, we're that far along. Very good. Hey, yeah, last sermon this week in our aha moments. And uh, we have been using as our text for this sermon series a statement that Jesus made you recognized it five weeks ago when I, when I uh, read it for the first time. I hope it means a little bit more to you today after the fifth Sunday that we're sharing it. Uh, but our anchor text is John chapter 8, uh, verses 31 and 32. John writes this, To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You know, that really is a powerful statement that Jesus makes. And I hope that our familiarity with that passage doesn't uh, diminish the transformative power of what Jesus is saying. If you hold to, if you abide in my word, if you hang on, if you, if you buy into this kingdom stuff, if you do what I tell you to do, you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. I, I told my wife this is going to be my last sermon in this AHA Moment series, and she said, isn't all the teachings of Jesus kind of produce an AHA Moment? And yes, that is true. But I didn't want this to be like a 10-year series, and I think we'd get tired of the graphics, but uh, actually our AHA Moment is going to be a little bit different this morning. In the past, we've been looking at some conversations, some things that Jesus has interacted with some different people, and we've watched as he shine this bright light of truth, you know, on these different people in different situations, and we've been able to watch them respond to the truth that Jesus is showing and sharing. We've kind of been able to see how they react. This morning, we're going to take a look at something that Jesus says, and it is a powerful statement it is an aha moment. It is a bright light of truth. He's going to say it to a large group of people, but we don't get to see how they respond. We don't really know what they do with the information. We know they're amazed because Jesus' teaching is amazing, and it was Jesus doing the teaching. So we know they're amazed, but we don't really get to see how they react. So in a lot of ways, today's aha moment is really for us. 
Jesus is going to shine this, uh, this truth into our lives, into our circumstances. And we've got to decide what we're going to do with that truth, how we're going to respond. So, you know, I always, um, I always sort of hesitate to speak in absolutes, but I absolutely guarantee that what Jesus is going to talk about this morning is something that we all need to pay close attention to. I guarantee it is something that you struggle with, something that I struggle with as well. So, open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7. If you've got a red letter edition uh, copy of the Bible, almost the entire seventh chapter of Matthew is going to be in red. Just the very end isn't, but the, all, the whole chapter is a teaching of Jesus. Chapter 7 is, you know, the back end of what we know as the Sermon on the Mount. Today we're really going to focus on the first couple verses of Matthew chapter 7. I'll warn you, what Jesus says is a little bit uncomfortable, um, a little bit convicting for sure. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. Boy, everybody knows that passage, right? Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And then verse 3 is really where I want to sort of focus. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. This morning, I want to talk a little bit about the speck in the plank. And when I, I want to get there by uh, telling you that you can divide all of the world's population into two groups. Everybody that's walking the face of the earth, you can break them down into two groups. And I'll share with you those two groups. Here you go. Everybody else and you. The entire world's population can be broken down into just two groups. Everybody else and you. Question, which circle are you in charge of? That would be the you circle, right? Which circle do you have control over? That would be the you circle. Which circle do you not have control over? Which circle are you not in charge of? That would be the everybody else circle, right? Um, this is not subtle teaching that Jesus is sharing. This, is, this isn't sneaky stuff he's sharing. This is pretty plain teaching. There are other people's faults, everybody else, and there are my faults, you know, me, you. You would think that we would be more interested and more invested in our faults than everybody else's faults. You would think we would care more about our problems, my problem, than everybody else's problem. But the truth is, we tend to focus on everybody else's, else's issues, everybody else's problems, and pretty often, we don't even recognize the problems that we have. We don't recognize our issues. Plank? What plank? I don't know what you're talking about. Nothing going on in my life, but boy, there's something there in your life. And I'm telling you, this is so prevalent 
It is so widespread. It happens all the time. It happens to all of us, and it happens everywhere. I'll give you an example, a personal example. Uh, when I leave my home in the mornings, I drive to the office, and I come here to the building. I usually jump on I-4. And I don't stay on it very long. You know, I get on at McIntosh Road. I get off at 579. So for a couple of miles, me and 120,000 of my closest friends are driving down I-4. I've concluded there are two types of drivers on Interstate 4. There are maniacs and there are idiots. Everybody on I-4 can be divided into those two groups, maniacs and idiots. The maniacs are everybody that drives faster than I do. The idiots are everybody that drives slower than I do. Now, somebody comes flying by me at 95 miles an hour, I think, what a maniac. That maniac's going to kill somebody. And then I come up on somebody that's like going five miles under the speed limit, and I'm like, come on, what's this idiot doing? Now, speed up, move over, get out of the way. Which, of course, means that I am simultaneously being a maniac and an idiot to everybody else on I-4. But that's just the way we think, isn't it? We are so good at seeing the fault in others, and we are so good at blaming other people. I saw a bumper sticker not too long ago that said, I didn't say it was your fault. I said I'm going to blame you. Pretty honest driver, I think. No, I can see your tiny little problem. I can see your tiny little issue. But I don't even notice my big problem. I don't even see it. This is the plank. I can't see that the problem is me. That the problem is my judgmental attitude. That the problem is I blame everybody else. I'm avoiding responsibility for my own life. You know, people go through their whole lives and they never even identify, let alone take responsibility for the things that are going on in their lives. In fact, right now, I suspect that some of you are thinking to yourself, boy, I sure hope whoever it is is watching this this morning. I sure hope so-and-so is tuned in because they need to hear this message. Not me, I don't need to hear this. I know everything he's going to say. I, you know, I'm okay. But I really hope that they are listening this morning. Well, I've got good news and I've got bad news. The good news is they are listening this morning. They are tuned in. They're hearing me. The bad news is they are you. <laughs> You're the one. I'm the one who needs this message. Jesus says in Luke chapter 6, verse 37, Do not judge others, and God will not judge you. Do not condemn others, and God will not condemn you. Forgive others, and God will forgive you. The Apostle Paul is pretty quick to pick up on this light that Jesus is shining. Paul would write in Romans chapter 2, verse 1, this, You may be saying, what terrible people you have been talking about. But you're just as bad, and you have no excuse. When you say they are wicked and should be punished... You're condemning yourself, for you do the very same things. Paul is talking to Christians in Rome, and he's saying, you're so quick to judge people and to condemn people because of their sin. Come on. You're doing the exact same things. Verse 2, And we know that God in His justice will punish anyone who does such things. Do you think that God will judge and condemn others for doing them and not judge, what you, not judge you when you do them too? 
And then notice what he says in verse 4. This is so great. Don't you realize how kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Or don't you care? Can't you see how kind he's been in giving you time to turn from your sin? Are we not called to be just as kind and tolerant and patient with other people as Christ the Lord has been with us? Especially understanding that we're just as guilty as everyone else. I'm sure that you're familiar with the serenity prayer. Been around a long time. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, the wisdom to know the difference. Let me give you a revised version of the serenity prayer. God grant me the serenity to accept the people I cannot change, the courage to change the one I can, and the wisdom to know it's me. Yeah, the wisdom to know it's me. I'm the only one I can change. You know, when Jesus calls us to focus on the plank that's in our own eye, He's calling us to take responsibility for our own lives. Remember those two circles that I showed you, you know, everybody else and you? The only person that we can really control is ourselves. And God in His wisdom and God in His tremendous love has given us all the dignity of choice. He's allowed us to choose how we're going to live our lives. How are you going to spend your day today? You get to choose. What's your attitude going to be like today? You get to choose. How are you going to treat other people? You get to choose. What are you going to fill your mind with today? You get to choose. And really from the beginning of time, God has given His people the dignity of choice. Mankind has always had choices. And from the beginning of time, it seems that man has chose to look for somebody else to blame, to focus on somebody else's problem. You know, in the Garden of Eden, God gives Adam really one rule. Genesis chapter 2. Let's go all the way back to Genesis 2, verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it, to take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man... You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will surely die. But of course, we know this story. We know that Adam and Eve do indeed eat from the fruit of the tree, the knowledge of good and evil. And then we move over to chapter 3, verse 11. God is now speaking to Adam. Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Now God asks Adam a really simple question. Did you eat the fruit of the tree that I told you not to eat? Did you do what I told you not to do? Simple question. It's really a yes or no question. And Adam could have answered, yes, I did. It was a tremendous mistake. I'm sorry, can you forgive me? But Adam doesn't respond that way, does he? Instead, Adam throws Eve under the bus. That woman you gave me. He doesn't even call her Eve. He says, that woman you gave me. In fact, he's sort of throwing God under the bus as well. That woman you gave me. It's her fault. 
She's, she's the one who sinned. And you know what, God? Everything was fine until she showed up. You're the one who put her here. So it's not really my fault. It's really the woman, and it's a little bit your fault. And of course, Eve, she's just trying to you know, cover her tracks as well. She's looking for someone to blame. Verse 13, the Lord, said, the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. Listen, from the dawn of time, we have focused on other people's mistakes and we've focused on other people's problems. From the dawn of time, we have blamed other people for our own faults. Well, the very first man, Adam, he didn't recognize the fact that he had a plank in his own eye. Andy Stanley writes about this very thing in the context of um, marriage counseling in one of his books. And he writes about the fact that pretty often uh, someone will come in and want to talk about a marriage that has gone off the rails, a marriage that is in crisis. And usually it's just one of the partners will come in and want to sit down with him. And the conversation usually begins by that person telling him all the things that their spouse has done and all the mistakes that their spouse has made and all the things that their spouse should have the blame for. And they just want to talk about the other partner. And Andy usually stops him and says, listen, let me, let me uh, draw a circle for you. And he draws a circle on a piece of paper. And he says, I want this circle to represent all of the pain in your marriage. I want this circle to represent all of the problems and all the chaos that's going on in your marriage right now. I want you to draw a, a piece of this pie. Just draw whatever part of this pie that you think you're responsible for. What's your part in this chaos? What's your part in the pain? And generally, they will draw a pretty small sliver of this chaos pie. And they will acknowledge, okay, here's my, here's my responsibility. Here's my contribution to the problem. It's very small, but my spouse, they're contributing this huge amount. And he'll tell them, well, obviously, the main problem is with the person that's not here. And since the person that has the main problem isn't here, all we can really talk about is the part that you're contributing to the problem. All we can really talk about is your part, because you are here. So let's agree to focus just on this little sliver, just on what you acknowledge as your contribution to the pain and your contribution to the, the chaos going on in this marriage. And interestingly enough, very few people can do that. Very few people can talk about their own issues and their own problems. All they want to do is talk about them them, them. And we get so addicted, and I think that's the right word. We get addicted to looking for specks of sawdust in other people's eyes, all the while we don't notice the, the plank that's in our own eye. We get so addicted to looking for the problem in other people's lives, blaming other people, being judgmental toward other people. Let me stick with our theme of circles and pies and graphs for the morning. Um, I, I want this circle to represent, I'm calling it the pie of responsibility. There you go. This is your pie of responsibility. And you can use this idea really for any area of your life. You know, you've got a pie of responsibility for your marriage, if you're married, for your dating uh, situation, if you're dating, 
work, school, really any part of your life, there's this pie of responsibility. Um, you can use it for your kids, you can use it for your parents. Somewhere in this pie of responsibility is a slice that I can control. It's going to be different for everybody, I get that. Uh, it'll be different for every situation. If you are in a really large school, you know, your slice of what you can control is probably going to be pretty small in that pie of responsibility. If you're homeschooled, it's going to be a much larger uh, slice. If you work in this huge corporation, your slice of responsibility might be pretty small. If you're self-employed, that's going to be pretty big in your pie of responsibility. Now, it's different for everybody. I don't, I don't know what it looks like for you. But I do know this. If we just focus on the slice of the pie that we can control, if we just put our time and our energy, our efforts into that part of the situation, that part of the chaos, that part of the responsibility that I control, if I just focus on that, I'm going to grow. My life will grow. My heart will grow. But if I focus all my time and all my effort and all my attention on that other part of the pie that I really can't control, if I just stay focused on what their problem is, what they should be doing, what they don't understand, what they're doing wrong, if that's where my focus always stays, I'm not going to grow. But I'll tell you what will grow. Bitterness will grow. Negativity will grow. Resentment will grow. And then we start wondering, how come nobody wants to hang around with me anymore? Listen, I don't know if, if this is an aha moment for you or not, but I am convinced that this idea of seeing the fault in everybody else and not realizing any fault in our own, this idea of judging other people, blaming other people, I know that Jesus has a word for it. And the word that Jesus uses for it is hypocrisy. And some of the strongest language that Jesus uses in the Gospels is directed toward people that he recognizes and identifies as hypocrites. We saw it in Matthew chapter 7, the text that we just looked at. Let me share with you just, just one more, and I could have chosen from dozens, really. One more example. Matthew chapter 23. This is Jesus speaking. How terrible it will be for you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites, you're like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity. You try to look upright, you try to look like upright people outwardly, but inside your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. Again, this is really strong language by Jesus. And it's directed at people who are trying so hard to look so holy, while all the while on the inside their life is just a mess. And the inside is, is really ugly, filled with hypocrisy and impurity. Again, we're really quick to notice the speck that's in someone else's eye. Uh, we're denying the plank that's in our own eye. There's a writer by the name of uh, Elizabeth Ballard, and she talks about a defining moment in her life, a moment in her life that changed her life, she claims. And it happened when she was in the fifth grade. She grew up in a very poor home, and everybody knew it. It was uh, kind of a custom uh, around Christmas time.
for all the students to bring a gift for the teacher. Well, Elizabeth didn't have any money to buy a gift for her teacher, so instead she went in her backyard to where a pecan tree was, and she collected a little brown bag filled with, with pecans and took that to her teacher as a Christmas present. All the other kids snickered at the pitiful gift that Elizabeth brought. But as they started laughing, the teacher stood up and, and told them all to be quiet. And she looked at the little girl and she said, This is like the perfect gift. I could not have received a better gift. Thank you so much. I'm in the process of trying to make a fruitcake for Christmas. And I need some pecans to put in my fruitcake. I can't do it without this gift. This is the perfect gift. Thank you so much for this wonderful gift. Now, of course, we all know nobody makes a fruitcake. Fruitcakes just happen. You know, they're like accidents and sinkholes. They just show up one day. But here's a teacher who made the choice to look at this little girl through the eyes of compassion and to show compassion. And on one hand, I think, wow, that's a life-changing moment. I don't know if that's a defining moment. But on the other hand, we all get it, right? We all get how, how life-changing it can be when someone sees us differently. When someone finally sees us for who we are. Now, we have a choice. We can see people through the eyes of criticism and judgment. Or we can see people through the eyes of Jesus. I don't know about you, but I don't think it's our job to always go around and tell everybody what they're doing wrong. I don't think it's our job to go around and tell everybody what's wrong with the world. Yes, I know we are to speak the truth. Absolutely, we are to speak the truth. But we're to speak the truth in love. And you see Jesus doing this all through the Gospels. He absolutely spoke the truth. But he spoke it in love. I just don't know that we accomplish very much when we tell everybody what's wrong with the world, what's wrong with this group, what's wrong with that group, what everybody else should be doing. I don't really think the world needs us preaching to them. And I'm a preacher. I think the world needs people who introduce them to Jesus. I think the world needs people who love Jesus and who will come alongside them and offer hope and healing and patience and service, love, compassion. I think Jesus established his church to be the most inclusive movement in the history of the world. No more Jew or Gentile, no more slave or free, no more man, woman, no more blaming, no more complaining, no more judging. Let me end with Titus chapter 3. It's a great passage. Do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, to show true humility toward all men. At one time we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating each other. You know, Paul here is not saying, hey, you know, love the sinner, hate the sin. Paul is saying, love the sinner, hate my sin. We were all in that shape. But then look what he says in verse 4. This, this is so great. 
But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. When the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. Not because of righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior. So that, having been justified by His grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. Why should I offer grace to someone else? Because so much grace has been showered on me. So this week, let's decide, I'm going to focus on the plank that's in my eye before I start looking for specks of sawdust in someone else's eye. That, that plank, that spirit of condemnation, that spirit of superiority, I'm telling you, it'll poison your heart. And it will destroy your witness. So this week... What if we all sort of uh, agreed we're going to take responsibility for my life, for my slice of the pie, the part that I can control? You know, maybe it's a relationship, maybe it's a work thing. But if I'm focused on the wrong things, it's, it's, it's robbing me of my joy. And it's certainly, again, uh, killing my witness. Um, so this week, our prayer is, Lord, change me. Change me. Our prayer is not going to be, Lord, change him. Change her. Change it. Change them. Change me. Help me see people the way Jesus saw people. Help me treat people the way Jesus treated people. Change my negative attitude at work. Change my negative thinking. Change the sarcasm that I use with my spouse. Change the way I nag my kids Change the envy that I can't seem to get over. Change the way I seem to rush through every day without ever stopping to say thank you. Change my defensive spirit. Change my stubborn streak. This can be an aha moment. If we realize that I'm going to focus on my responsibilities, I'm going to focus on the plank that I'm dealing with, and then I'll help someone else with that speck. I'm going to hold on to that truth. And I'm going to let that truth set me free. Let's pray together. Father, as we look around our world, it seems so easy to identify everybody else's problems. And it's so natural for us to blame circumstances or other people or other groups, things that we really have no control over. Father, would you help us with these judgmental attitudes? Would you change us? Would you change me? Help us see the plank that's in our own eye and help us to realize our faults and our struggles and our own sins. Would you fill us with godly sorrow? Would you fill us with godly repentance? Would you continue to shower us with your grace? And may we extend a measure of that same grace to, to others. Help us love like Jesus loves. Help us to be more courageous to tell people that Jesus is my Lord and that he's the reason for the joy and the peace and the hope that we have. Help us to hold on to his teachings, to abide in his word, and to cling to the truth that will set us free. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. I didn't hear one single person yell bingo. I don't know if they made it or not, but uh, someone said, okay, a couple of bingos. Very good. Thanks for paying attention.
our praise team has one last song that uh, we're going to sing together, and then we'll, we'll be dismissed. Yeah, we're going to have to be different, uh, probably be a smaller group, uh, and logistics will be different, but we're working on it and trying to figure something out and uh, more, more info to follow. But let's sing, this is how we overcome. Your light broke through my night, restored exceeding joy. Your grace fell like the rain and made this desert live. You have turned my morning into dancing. You have turned my sorrow into
come this week. Have a great one.